I have done fair amount of traveling all over the world and I thought of uh, converting some of my diaries which I wrote after traveling to that uh, destination into the podcast. Uh, I hope you all enjoy and I will now um, uh, produce this podcast about all my travel that I have done over the last so many years. The first uh, that I am going to, do, to talk about today is Char Dham Yatra. It's a, basically a religious yatra or religious pilgrimage. Basically, it's a pilgrimage to the four uh, main centers in northern India called Char Dham. Char Dham means four centers. It is Gangotri, Janmotri, um, Kedarnath, and Batinath. We did this uh, uh, pilgrimage in 1997, but I did not write about it. And in 2013, when a great flood of uh, which destroyed Kedarnath and other places in Uttarakhand happened, I thought of writing about our experiences. And so it is here. I wrote this in 2013, just after the tragedy. So the title of my podcast is Char Dham Yatra. The recent tragedy and the devastation scenes in Uttarakhand made me recall my memories of the Char Dham Yatra that I and my family did 16 years ago in 1997. At that time, I had not developed the art of writing blogs since there was no internet and hence thought of using this opportunity to recall the pilgrimage or Yatra. <clears throat> we did the Yatra from 22nd May to, 15, to 5th June 1997. We were four of us, I, my wife Nandini and our two young daughters ages 15 and 11 years old. It was a tour organized by Garhwal Mandal. Our minibus with 20 passengers took us to different dhams, Janmotri, Gangotri, Kedarnath and Batinath and we stayed in the Garhwal Mandal guest houses which were not very clean or comfortable but manageable. During this trip we must have trekked about 60 to 70 kilometers since we walked to Janmotri and Kedarnath and only for Kedarnath while going up did we, hire, did we hire a horse for our younger daughter Madhura. Except for Janmotri and Kedarnath, one could reach the other two dhams by road and hence the Garhwal Mandal bus took us right to the guest houses in Gangotri and Badinath. The Janmotri trip was quite easy and we reached the guest house after a couple of hours walk. After staying for a night at the base camp, the trek of 22 kilometers to Janmotri or the um, uh, source of uh, Yamuna river starts. My wife got sick with diarrhea um, uh, at night um, after we reached the base camp and hence we did not do the full Janmotri trek. The trek to Kedarnath was a good 16 kilometers walk one way from 3000 feet elevation of Gorikon, the base camp where one reached by bus to nearly 12,000 feet of Kedarnath. Most of the path was 10 to 12 feet wide dirt road but in some places it was a narrow 5 foot ledge with 1000 to 2000 foot drop on one side. 
Walking on this narrow path with competition from horses and dundies was sometimes an unnerving experience. We did this trek to Kedarnath in around seven hours while going up and in five hours while coming down. We started on this trek at 9.15 a.m. from Gorikun and reached Rambara around 12.30 p.m. where we had lunch. Today, because of Garhwal tsunami, the whole town of Rambara has been completely wiped out and even Gorikun is washed away. I still remember there were quite a number of houses and a small restaurants in Rambara <clears throat> which catered mostly to tourists. Some tourists who could not go to Kedarnath in one day could stay in these restaurants come hotels at night. We had our lunch in one of the shacks or chattis as they were called. As we finished our lunch, suddenly out of blue, heavy rains and grape-sized hail came. This sudden change in weather is a regular phenomena in mountains. Naturally, the raincoats and umbrellas that each of us was carrying in our knapsacks came in handy since there was not enough room for all the tourists to take shelter in some of these ramshackle chaktis. The weather changes suddenly at high altitude and thus the flash floods in Uttarakhand were nothing new though the scale of devastation in 2003-13 was enormous. I had a first-hand experience of such fickle weather in Switzerland. In May-June 1992, I was travelling in Swiss Alps by Glacier Express. One even evening around 6 p.m., I reached the town of Zermatt, the closest town to Mount Matterhorn. The weather was absolutely clear and beautiful and the Matterhorn appeared in its full majesty just close by. I decided to take the hike to it the next morning, thinking that it will remain clear. In the morning when I woke up, it was raining heavily and the mountain was nowhere to be seen. In those days of no internet and other means of getting information about weather, you had to just wait and watch. However, after half an hour of downpour, the blue sky suddenly appeared and till we reached Kedarnath, it was quite sunny and bright. Since the trek was vigorous, I sweated profusely, though it was really cold outside. In fact, when we reached Kedarnath, there was one or two foot of snow on the ground. Nevertheless, with these vigorous treks, I must have, I must have lost at least five kilogram weight and felt very fit. I have always felt that in such pilgrimage, one should walk. Walking is good for the body and the soul since it allows introspection and also allows to contemplate the whole meaning of pilgrimage. On this tour, we had always we always carried pocketfuls of dried fruits, which we kept on munching in our track. This provided much needed energy. Water and tea was available at innumerable small chattis or shacks along the track. Even in those times, the large-scale deforestation was very much in evidence, and I am sure it has increased in the ensuing 16 years. This defore deforestation must have also played a role in large-scale landslides that happened because of the cloudburst last week. Himalayan mountains have a very fragile ecosystem. The rock is very soft, unlike that of Western Ghats, which are volcanic. Hence, any man-made activity of mining, large-scale dam construction and deforestation increases the chances and ferocity of landslides tremendously.
the visit to the Kedarnath temple in the evening was not a great experience. In fact, it was quite an easily forgettable one. We had to go inside the temple bare feet in freezing weather with water and milk all over the floor. It was very slippery and with wall to wall crowd, it was difficult to walk and breathe. I was almost carried to the shrine sandwich between devotees. Besides, most of them were shouting very loudly, Lord Shiva's name. And when I tried to cover my ears against the deafening noise, they, kept, they became very agitated and asked me whether I was a Muslim, since I was not interested in hearing God's name. Kedarnath temple is one of the oldest temples in India. In my readings, I came to the conclusion that it must be a Buddhist temple and Adi Shankaracharya came here to debate the Buddhist priests and after defeating them, must have converted it to a Hindu temple. Since it is an old temple, hence it must have some presence. I wanted to feel the presence in the quiet of night and hence asked the Namudripath temple priest whether I can just sit inside at night. He refused, telling me that at night God sleeps. Nevertheless, I had a great experience at night. I woke up around 2.30 a.m. and got out of the guest house to see the whole valley flooded with beautiful sunlight, moonlight. With about one to two feet of snow on the ground and all the peaks covered with snow, it was a mesmerizing, it was a mesmerizing and spiritual sight. I am sure this type of ethereal beauty of Himalayas must have also been one of the reasons why Adi Shankaracharya came to Kedarnath. The beauty of Himalayas cannot be matched by any other mountain regions of the world. The Swiss Alps are very convenient to travel and stay, stay in, but pale in front of the majesty of Himalayas. In all the dhams, we saw a huge amount of plastic waste with water bottles and plastic bags strewn all over the place. In Badrinath, we also saw a large number of beer bottles strewn all over the town. I am sure all this plastic and other waste must have choked the streams and increased the riverbed height during the 2013 floods. In those days, there was no helicopter rides for Chardham Yatra and hence the number of tourists were regulated by their ability to walk and the available number of ponies and Gandhi dandies. With helicopter rides, the numbers have increased quite a lot. Even then, I remember the huge number of tourists that went up and down to Kedarnath every day. Most of the times in our trek, we hired a porter who would take our luggage to the guest house. Since they were locals, hence they walked very fast and knew shortcuts. Thus, most of the times, he would be far ahead and out of sight. Yet, he was always a trusted soul and we never had an occasion where he vanished with our luggage or anything was taken out from it. Thus, in the present tragedy, the reports of porters and ponywalas looting passengers and dead bodies just showed that how much greed and corruption has penetrated into the lives of these simple mountain folks. The visit to shrine of Badrinath was slightly better. There was less crowd and the darshan line moved slowly but in an orderly fashion. As we, I and my elder daughter were still moving in the line, we found out that my wife and younger daughter had already gotten the darshan. The Badrinath head priest thought that my wife was a foreigner since she is tall around 5 foot 10 inches, fair and was wearing jeans. So she and my younger daughter were taken into the inner sanctum 
and participated in the aarti and given darshan. The food in most of the local restaurants and chattis was good, wholesome vegetarian meal. Yet at every place we were offered chow mein and fried rice, since it seemed to be the favorite food of the large number of tourists.